Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi, welcome back to the New Testament podcast. This is going to be for Luke chapter 4. Now, just a reminder that uh, we've already read some of Luke chapter 4 as we were reading Matthew 4 because it was uh, Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. But we'll pick it up in uh, Luke in verse 14 where Jesus goes to Galilee. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all who believed on his name. Now this is the time when he's teaching in the synagogue, and this is a significant uh, passage here. Verse 16, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. It is the custom to read the Scriptures, the Law, and the Prophets three times a week. That occurs on Mondays, Thursdays, and Sabbaths, Saturdays. It takes one year, and the entire Old Testament is completed. Every congregation reads the same sections on the same day. That is why a lad, anticipating his bar mitzvah, selects a date and practices reading the section appointed for that day. In Jesus' day, it seems apparent that the Jews read the scriptures publicly in the synagogue only on the Sabbath day. Since they read only once a week, it would take three years to read through the entire law and the prophets. It is interesting to note that Jesus' ministry was three years in length. Perhaps he chose that time frame so that he could personally teach his disciples all of the law and the prophets. On that occasion, the Isaiah text was was the scripture of the day, and that was from the New New Testament Supplemental Study Materials by Daniel Rona. Elder McConkie has said, What prevailed in synagogues anciently is what should prevail in our houses of worship today for the Christian practice of frequent worship or sermon and song and prayer and scriptural reading in buildings set apart for such purposes grew out of the Jewish dispensation that preceded ours. Edersheim said of synagogues, Whenever some great rabbi or famed preacher or else a distinguished stranger is known to be in the town, it is the custom to invite him to preach to the people. The synagogue service commences. There are two prayers, then the reciting of the Shema, the three passages from the Pentateuch in which the worshippers take upon themselves the yoke of the kingdom, and then another prayer, then come eighteen eulogies or benedictions and yet other prayers, then the ministers <clears throat> then the minister takes out a roll of the law, and seven persons are called upon to read successive portions. A descendant of Aaron was always called up first to the reading, then followed a Levite, and afterwards five ordinary Israelites. The reading of the law was both preceded and followed by brief benedictions. Then they would read from the prophets, followed by the discourse of the day. If he followed the practice of the day, his participation involved more than reading from the prophets and discoursing as he chose. The person who read in the synagogue the portion from the prophets was also expected to conduct the devotions, at least in greater part, meaning part of the Shema and the whole of the eulogies. 
If he had participated fully, as was the custom, he would have said such things as, Thou art Jehovah, our God, and the God of our fathers, our King, and King of our fathers, our Savior, and the Savior of our fathers, our Creator, the Rock of our salvation, our help, and our Deliverer. Thy name is from everlasting, and there is no God beside thee. Blessed art thou, Jehovah, who quickenest the dead. Thou art holy, the name is, the name is holy, Selah. Blessed art thou, Jehovah God, the Holy One. Such a participation on his part would, in fact, have fitted perfectly into the messianic pronouncement he was about to, to make for Jehovah was the Messiah. And the salvation promised Israel and all men by the one was the salvation that would be brought to pass by the other. But this we do know, standing before the people, Jesus read from Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 3. He probably read in Hebrew and then translated in Aramaic. This would account for the differences between Isaiah's record in the Old Testament and the statements as given by Jesus and recorded in Luke. Verse 17, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias, or Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance or remission to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and he sat down, and the eyes of all those who were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Elder McConkie said, I have read from Isaiah, I have set forth the meaning of the words, and therefore all messianic prophecies are fulfilled in me. They, this applied to me, or they apply to me. I am the one of whom the prophet spoke. I am he. I am the Messiah. Verse 22, And all bear him witness, and wondered or marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. What these words were we do not know, but in the very nature of things we can rest assured that they were a sermon on the text he had read. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? The original Greek uses the word craftsman, not carpenter. In Nazareth there was a stone quarry nearby, so he, could, he would have worked not only in wood, but stone, metal, etc. Verse 23, And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done was Whatsoever we have heard done was in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Following, he gives two examples of prophets not being accepted in their own countries, Elijah, who blessed a widow who lived outside of Israel, and Elisha, who healed Naaman, a Gentile. If the people of Nazareth won't believe, we, he will go somewhere else. If we don't believe... We won't, we won't receive the blessings we would otherwise have received but for our faith in Christ. Do we follow those leaders whom the Lord has chosen for our day? Members of the church, those of enduring faith, willingly accept the supremacy of God and rely upon the scriptures and counsel of his servants, the leaders of the church. These leaders of the church are men and human, with human frailties and are imperfect in their wisdom and judgment. Perfection in men is not found on the earth. But almost without exception, these leaders sincerely, humbly, and prayerfully render great and dedicated Christian service to the best of their ability. More important, they hold a divine warrant and commission through, through which great and eternal blessings come to those who sustain and follow them. They are God's servants. That was by James E. Faust. Verse 25, But I tell you of truth. I tell you the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, or Elias, 
when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and great famine was throughout all the land. But unto one of but unto none of them was was Elijah or was Elias or Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisius, or Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was were cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. His words they could not answer, his testimony they could not refute, but his voice, as they supposed, his voice they could silence. That was Elder McConkie again. Verse 29, And rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him unto the brow of the hill, whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. How he escaped is not recorded. Perhaps his silence, perhaps the calm nobleness of his bearing, perhaps the dauntless innocence of his gaze overawed them. Apart from anything supernatural, there seems to have been in the presence of Jesus a spell of mystery and majesty which even his most ruthless and hardened enemies acknowledged and before which they involuntarily bowed. Verse 31, And came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for his words were with power, i.e. authority, or the Greek is authority. In Capernaum is the nobleman whose son Jesus healed. Also, this is where Peter, Peter's in-laws and Peter himself have a home. Verse 33, and in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice. Now the same is recorded also in Mark chapter 1. So I'll be reading from the Luke version and then if there's anything different in Mark, uh, we'll read that too. Because an unclean spirit inhabited the man, the man did not have his free agency for the unclean spirit spoke through the, man's, through the man whose body it possessed. And that was by Brother McConkie. Verse twenty or verse thirty four, saying, "Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God." The veil has not been taken away from devils; they know Jesus from the pre-existence. Verse thirty five, Jesus rebuked him, saying, "Hold thy peace, and come out of him." Though Jesus was known to the devils because of the dealings with them in the pre-existent sphere, he consistently refused to permit them to bear record of his divinity. Had Jesus let unclean spirits go unrebuked, or had he acquiesced in their testimonies of him, the Jews would have claimed greater justification for their false charge against him. He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? That was again by Elder McConkie. Continuing verse 35, And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. In 1830 of April, when Joseph Smith cast a devil out of Newell Knight, Brother Knight saw the evil spirit leave him and vanish from his sight. Verse 36, And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? With, for with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. Joseph Smith recorded the first miracle in the restored church, casting out an evil spirit as follows. Amongst those who attended our meetings regularly was Newell Knight, son of Joseph Knight. We had got into the... We had just been praying much at our meetings, and Newell had said he, he would try. But when he again met together, he rather excused himself. I tried to prevail upon him. He replied... He would, he would wait until he could get into the woods by himself, and there he would pray. Accordingly, he deferred praying until next morning when he retired into the woods, where, according to his own account, afterwards he made several attempts to pray but could scarcely do so. 
He began to feel uneasy and continued to feel worse both in mind and body until both reaching his own house. His appearance was such as to alarm his wife very much. He requested her to go and bring me to him. I went and found him suffering very much in his mind and his body acted upon in a very strange manner. His visage and limbs distorted and twisted in every shape and appearance possible to imagine and finally he was caught up off the floor of the apartment and tossed about most fearfully. His situation was soon made known to his neighbors and relatives, and in a short time as many as eight or nine grown persons had got together to witness the scene. After he had thus suffered for a time, I succeeded in getting hold of him by the hand, when almost immediately he spoke to me and with great earnestness requested me to cast the devil out of him, saying that he knew he was in him and that he also knew that I could cast him out. I replied, if you know that I can, it shall be done. And then almost unconsciously I rebuked the devil and commanded him in the name of Jesus Christ to depart from him. When immediately Newell spoke out and said he saw the devil leave him and vanish from the sight. This was the first miracle which was done in the church or by any member of it. And it was done not by man nor by the power of man, but it was done by God and by the power of godliness. Down to verse 37 in uh, Luke 4. And the fame of him went out in every place round about. In uh, Mark, it adds, uh, in Mark 1, it adds uh, about, in, about Galilee. Verse 38, And he rose and went out of the synagogue and entered into, the, into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for to heal her. Now the same is also recorded in Mark chapter 1, verse 29. And uh, Matthew chapter 8, And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Now when it says he stood over her, it probably means that he, he placed his hands upon her head uh, to give her a blessing. Now, it's interesting that she uh, doesn't ask. So we think uh, from the Mark account, it says Simon's wife, wife's mother lay sick of a fever and they besought him for her. So she was unable to speak for herself, but uh, the family had enough faith that they could uh, cause this to happen. In Mark 1, verse 31, it says, And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she administered unto them. Back to verse 40, Now when the sun was setting, all they who had any sick with divers or various diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And then back to Mark chapter 1, verse 33, All the city was gathered together at the door. Verse 41 of Luke, And devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of, the Son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. And then verse 42, And when it was day, he departed and went into a solitary place. And the people sought him and came unto him and desired him uh, that he should not depart from them. But he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. So that's the end of Luke chapter 4, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.